Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody. Welcome to the 8311 cast featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. On this week's episode of the 8311 cast, episode 32, join us in helping us bring you all things sports to your beautiful ears by listening to us talk about the NBA playoffs, Cyclone basketball, the NHL, your weekly turtle tab leading directly into MLB, and of course, our two signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. So, my, my head's still spinning from that introduction about helping us, helping you. I'm, help. I'm still us, a little confused about what all happened there. Help us help you. Help us. What, what, help what do I have to help? Us. What's my job here? I'm confused. Your job is to deliver all things sports to our listeners' beautiful ears. Okay. And their job is to help us help them know about sports by listening to us. Okay. I think I followed you. So my job is to talk about sports. Your job is to talk about sports, specifically basketball things. Okay. I can do that. I can do that. Can so you? I can we're going to talk about some Cyclone basketball specifically. So the big thing coming up here, the NBA draft is about three weeks out now. Um, and so the deadline for college players to announce whether or not they are going to return to school or stay in the NBA draft is coming up on uh, May 29th. That is uh, the Wednesday of this week. The uh, the big two that affect uh, Iowa State, of course, are Lindell Wigington and Taylor Horton Tucker. Taylor Horton Tucker is definitely staying in the NBA draft. There was no real question about that. He's a possible first-round talent, so he'll definitely stay. The one we were thinking about was uh, Lindo Wigington. He has officially announced that he is going to stay in the NBA draft. He will not return to Iowa State, so the Cyclones will not have Lindo Wigington for this upcoming season, which is sort of what I expected. I still think he was upset that uh, Coach Prome left him out of the uh, starting lineup, even after he was healthy last year. And uh, so I did not think he would came back, which is the case, unfortunately. So Linda Wigington will not suit up in an Iowa State uniform again next year. I'm still not sure if he'll get drafted. My guess is he ends up on the uh, G League team for somebody at some point. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Kyle. Do you think that's probably where he ends up as well? Uh, uh, he's definitely not a first-round draft pick. No, not with not, not with his inconsistency level in his ability to handle the ball and not uh, give it away to the other team. He is way too prone of doing that. He's way too prone to try and become Superman during the middle of the game and try and put it all on his shoulders. Um, and I believe that he is definitely going to be a late second-round draft pick or probably a free agent signing. Um, the uh, Another thing that I did note, and I saw in an interview this week with Taylor Horton Tucker, is during the uh, NBA draft combine, he was roasted by some analysts. They said that he has some great ability, but he completely wasted it during his season at ISU, mainly because of his poor shot selection. So they said in order for him to actually be a successful NBA player, he has to be able to take pick and choose whether or not or what shots he is actually going to take and when he's going to select to take those shots. They said he was most efficient when he got downhill and attacked the basket and scored with ease 
because of his seven foot one wingspan being able to reach around so many different defenders and be able to create some shots that other players can't, such as like a Nick Weiler-Babb or a Lindell Wigington at the rim. But he needs to do more of that rather than taking uncontested or very contested shots rather with 17, 20 seconds left in the shot clock turning into horrible offensive possessions. So in order for him to elevate that, elevate his draft stock to be a higher first round pick, he has to show that it probably in some of his workouts uh, with teams. But everybody is very impressed with his freakish athleticism and all of his measurables. Obviously, Lindell Wigington is going to have a harder path to actually making an NBA roster at some point. I believe he will probably be on a similar path that Monte Morris had to go through being with a G League team for over a year and then half of a year before he ended up signing a contract and then then finally got a deal with a team to actually be on a team. And now Monte is doing very well with the Denver Nuggets, not getting a ton of playing time, but he's making those minutes count. I feel that Lindell Wigington is going to have to take the same path as uh, Monte Morris. And he's got to have the same mentality of Monte Morris. He can't get frustrated. Otherwise, he will uh, be a flop in the NBA. Yeah, he's got to stay the course, stay the course and see if he can continue to develop his skills and get on the NBA roster. But the one thing that Wigington leaving did do is it uh, confirmed for Steve Prohm what we had thought all year, and that is that he has um, one more scholarship available for next year. He uh, already filled that scholarship, actually. He picked up a freshman transfer point guard from Penn State named Rasir Bolton. He averaged uh, double-digit points per game at Penn State last year. 11.6 per game, and that increased as the season went on. Yep, and there's also a chance that normally with transfers, you know, they have to sit out a year before they're eligible to play. There's a chance that he might be able to pick up a uh, waiver from the NCAA to allow him to play immediately and be able to uh, play for Iowa State here this next year without sitting out a year. We'll have to uh, keep tracking that and let you know when the NCAA makes a decision. That probably won't come until sometime in August or September is usually when the NCAA makes those decisions. So. And- this is a big pickup for Iowa State. He shoot he shot over 36% from 3, which is decent. It's not the it's not great. It's almost comparable to what Mariel Shayok shot from the three-point line throughout the entire course of the season, but he also shot around 85% from the free throw line, which is something that ISU or an Iowa State needs in their basketball team is consistent free throw shooting. That is something that you heard us talk about and harp about all year long is how inconsistent we were from the free throw line. So that should be a huge help for us. And Steve Prohm said he needed to get a transfer guard who can score. This guy can score. He scored in high school. He was able to create his own shots. He was able to create shots for a Penn State team, which wasn't the greatest team in NCAA basketball last year. So but they had a lot of heart. They did have a lot of heart, and he plays with heart. So I think this is a great pickup. A lot of the beat writers for Cyclone Sports and Athletics thought that he, at the earliest, would announce his commitment by Tuesday. And rather, he announced his commitment around 6 o'clock Central Time today. So he he Today's really... Tuesday. Or, sorry, on Wednesday is when they thought he should actually do it. My days are messed up due to the holiday. But... Uh, he he announced it early 
and it was a big get. He was between us, uh, Iowa State, not us, uh, and oh, who are the other two? Illinois, maybe, and somebody in Cincinnati, I think. So obviously, Iowa State being the more prolific program. So I think he made the right decision, but I might be a little biased there. We'll see what we'll see what happens if he is able to get that waiver and is eligible to play immediately. Yeah. Um. Speaking of the NBA draft, the season, the draft order is not uh, completely decided because the season is not over. Um, the Eastern Western Conference Finals uh, both finished up here within the last week. Uh, we told you that the Bucks were winning two to two games to one last week. Um, they uh, lost three straight games since we uh, started talking about it. They lost that series 4-2 to the uh, Toronto Raptors and Kawhi Leonard. And really that series changed when um, when Toronto put Kawhi Leonard on Giannis Antetokounmpo because in those first two games, Giannis was pretty much able to do whatever he wanted. And I think it was about halftime of game three when they uh, made that defensive change. And that really just changed everything. He wasn't able to get driving towards the basket after that. And the series just changed. Kawhi played a ton of minutes, but was able to uh, score enough points without uh, much help because he has not been getting much help. And uh, yeah, and they were able to take that series four to two. So now uh, in the West, the uh, Golden State Warriors dismissed Portland in four games, including Portland blowing three uh, 17-point leads. Game four did go to overtime before Golden State managed to win it, but nobody really thought Golden State was going to be challenged by Portland. We uh, It was generally thought of that uh, Houston, who they beat in the Western Conference semifinals, and then whoever they played in the uh, NBA finals would be their main challenges. So nobody was... Nobody really thought Portland had a chance, and they didn't. So they were correct there. But it'll be interesting to see. Kevin Durant is still out, at least for game one here, coming up soon. So it'll be interesting to see how, uh, how what the uh, Warriors do for offense and who Kawhi Leonard is going to guard. Are they going to put him on staff, maybe Draymond Green, Clay Thompson? What, what they're going to do with Kawhi Leonard is going to be big, who he's going to try to lock down defensively is going to be have key to, to the NBA Finals. They have, it depends on when Kevin Durant plays. If Kevin Durant plays immediately, they have to put him on Kevin Durant. That it, There's no question there. He has if Durant to is healthy, most, yes. I if agree. Durant is healthy, they have to put him on the most prolific scorer. If Durant isn't healthy, you have to put him on Klay Thompson. You have to hope that Kyle Lowry is able to guard Steph Curry for at least a little bit. Because mm-hmm. I, I think Klay Thompson can do more damage in this series than Steph Curry can. But who are you gonna who are you gonna have guard Draymond then? Are you gonna have to put Siakam on Draymond yes. and see what he can yes. do? I think okay. I think putting Kawhi Leonard on Draymond Green is a waste of a waste of the best defensive player in the NBA. Okay. Even if Draymond's running the point, I heard they're gonna have Draymond run some of the point when Durant is out. Oh, which would seem strange for me. Yeah, because he's a power forward. <laughs> yes. It doesn't seem like a conventional con, con, conventional, excuse me choice to play point but i heard that that might happen so that'll be something to keep an eye on too is if they put Kawhi on uh one of the guards do they have do they have draymond green play points that'll be interesting to keep an eye on but as we're watching all of this kyle uh how do you think this series turns out who wins and how many games uh i will actually be giving this in my write that down prediction for the week so 
I see that will come later. So how about you give your analysis? I think that this will be a very close game. I think that Golden State won't run away with this. I think that Toronto is playing for an entire city. And when you play for an entire city, generally good things tend to happen. I have uh, Golden State in six is what I have. Okay. Wyatt, what about you? What do you got for this NBA Finals? Toronto in five. Tor- what? Wow. What? Yeah. <laughs> Toronto in five? Yep. I was debating between Golden nope. State in five or six. Nope. I nope. definitely don't think I Toronto am... is going to win in less yeah. than six games. <laughs> I don't either, but I needed a good write that down prediction. So, so. so game one is in Golden State, right? Is no. In California? Toronto had the better record. Game oh, one they is did? in Toronto. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so we start in Canada for this if, series. If Toronto can come out with the first two games, they put themselves in a very good position. Yes. Obviously. That's yes. what home court advantage does. Yes. they gotta, But yeah. as they've done throughout this entire NBA postseason, they have not started off a series with... And they haven't started by winning a series. Like... They've been down in every single series that they've played in so far. Yep, that's true. They've that's had to true. come back. So they put themselves behind the eight ball, so we'll see if that changes here in this series. But 8 o'clock Central Time on Thursday is when that NBA Finals will tip off for Game 1 in Toronto. So 8 o'clock Central on Thursday if you want to tune in. Speaking of a, a quick shout-out to Nick Nurse head coach of the Raptors. He is a former UNI player and head coach at Grandview University. He's an Iowa boy. So uh, shout out to him. Put him on our list of people that are famous that we shout out to. He, he also apparently gets back massages from Drake in the middle yep. of basketball games. Yeah. Fans should not be able to touch players and coaches during the course of a game. That just shouldn't be a thing. Well, when you're Drake and you're literally the face of Canada right now, apparently. Somebody needs to put him in his box and leave the coaches and players in their own box. They shouldn't have boxes that intersect at all. Why are we putting people in boxes? Because they shouldn't touch each other. Like a penalty box in hockey? No touching during the basketball game. Like a penalty box in hockey? Yes, like a penalty box in hockey. Oh, speaking of hockey. hockey. (laughs) Yes, the uh, NHL... Stanley Cup Finals, the uh, quest for Lord Stanley's Cup here, uh, is in its final series. It started game one, was on Monday night, um, and St. Louis was representing the Western Conference. They ended up uh, winning that series against San Jose in six games. They uh, recovered from that bad call with the hand pass that we talked about uh, last week to win three straight games and win that series in six. And then in game one against the Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup final, they jumped out to a 2 to nothing lead before giving up the next four goals to the Boston Bruins to fall in game one, four games to two, or four goals to two, excuse me. That series just started. Boston leads that series one game to zero after taking game one, four to two. And it looks like we're going to get lucky and we're going to have the NBA finals and the uh, Stanley Cup finals on alternating days here. Um, down the stretch of the season, which will be good. So Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central Time is when Game 2 of the Stanley Cup playoffs is. So it looks like the uh, NBA Finals and Stanley Cup uh, Finals will be on opposite days. So you can tune into uh, all of those games and continue to uh, 
keep track of those series and we will update you on those series if they're not over by next week. But I mean, we'll update you if it's over too, but we just won't talk about it as much if it's over. So we'll see how those series are uh, come next week. But now I get to talk to you about the best player and baseball savior, Willens Astadio. Willens Astadio continues to impress everybody with his versatility and his defensive prowess. Um, he played three different positions just today in uh, today's game because Byron Buxton decided he wanted to crash into more center field walls and get hurt. So uh, Astadio played catcher and first base. Um, today and he made a diving stop at third the other day he continues to run well to show the world that uh, chubby people can run too hitting in the last week hasn't been that great he went three for 15 hitting two and he's hitting 264 on the year he's had a little bit of a down stretch but eventually with his bat to ball skills um, that batting average will start to go up and will and Zastadio will recover as long as he stays on this roster that is your weekly turtle tab. And now, as Wyatt informed me in the introduction, we have to go right into baseball. We're not allowed to talk about anything else. So, Kyle, start talking about baseball before Wyatt gets upset at us. Okay. Well, apparently we can't talk about anything else. So we have to talk about the literally the worst team in the American League Central. Uh, they are there are only five teams in the American League Central, so somebody has to be the worst. Well, they are literally the worst. I am still trying to think about four years ago and how the team was actually good then. Um, so, the yeah, they're bad. They literally needed two outs uh, yesterday uh, to make the game official since they had the lead uh, before an inevitable rainout, um, and they blew it. So they were two outs away in the fifth inning from making the game official so that if it was potentially called, then they would have gotten the win. Instead, they gave up a run after a two-hour and 55-minute rain delay. And then after they gave up the run during the next at-bat, the rain came back, lasted for another hour before they called the game. And then it was suspended until today, and then they lost both games today. Great. Awesome. So now we're going to talk about the farm system, which is actually a little bit better. So here is your Royals farm update, because I need to actually find some positive things about this team. So Brady Singer, who was a 2018 first round draft pick, it was the Royals number 18th pick in 2018, is, could be potentially the steal of the 2018 MLB draft. Obviously, that's way too early to tell since he is in since he was just promoted to double A ball after pitching phenomenally in high A ball this year. Since April 28th, he has six starts, 36 innings pitched, with 34 strikeouts, only seven walks, great strikeout-to-walk ratio, with a 1.0 ERA, which is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, his season stat line total, total this year, 57 and two-thirds innings pitched, 53 strikeouts with only 13 walks and a 1.9 ERA. He, his opponent's batting average is under two 50 and he has a 1.11 whip and he is by far the Royals best pitching prospect young pitching prospect so far and as a 2018 pitching prospect he is starting to make his way up through the system fairly quickly and he should be followed uh, by his counterparts one of them which was actually played on his same college team in uh, Jackson Kowar 
who is also in high A ball for the Royals, who is also expected to be promoted to double A ball with a sub two ERA, as well as Daniel Lynch, who is a Virginia college pitching prospect. Obviously, the Royals have been going for college pitching as of late rather than drafting high school prospects as those have not panned out. Um, but Jackson Kowar and Daniel Lynch could also be joining him relatively quickly. And this is a good sign for the Royals that maybe in three to four years, uh, barring any injuries to these players as they continue their uh, process through the farm system, that they could be in the big leagues and we could have a good rotation, which the Royals have not had a great rotation in a long time. Even when they won the 2015 World Series, there was only one top of the line, uh, really two top of the line rotation starters in Yordano Ventura, as well as Johnny Cueto. But uh, Ventura was obviously very in, he was very up and down, and so was Cueto. Uh, but those two were the only top-of-the-line players we've had. Everybody in the Royals' management system thinks that Brady Singer could potentially be the next Zach Cranky for the team, who came up through the Royals' farm system and was the last Royals pitcher to be even remotely close to winning an AL Cy Young award uh, back in the late 2000s, so around 2009 or 2010, I believe, um, so, yeah, we will see what pans out maybe in three years. Obviously, that's down the line, but the team is absolute garbage right now. So there, I need something to actually talk about. Yeah, that's fair. That gives you something to talk about at least, which is probably good for you. But I have the Twins to talk about, and those Twins are for real. This last week, uh, they swept the Angels. They swept the White Sox. They split a uh, short two-game series with the Brewers here to start this week. Uh, last week they were in this last week they were a plus 38. I guess week and a half almost. They were plus 38 in run differential just this week. They scored double digits three times in eight games. The run differential is plus 112 total. They lead the majors in every offensive category you can think of. Home runs, batting average, slugging percentage, extra base hits, etc., etc. The Twins lead in all of it. All of this while having the third least strikeouts of any team in baseball. They have the best record in baseball on top of that. So this team is really firing on all cylinders offensively. And the pitching staff has also been phenomenal. The Twins now have three pitchers with uh, at least seven wins, I believe, that uh, Jose Barrios... And Jose Burrios, Jake Odorizzi, and Martin Perez all have seven wins. I am trying to double-check that fact right now, but I'm having trouble finding it. Uh, yes, all three of them do have seven wins. So three pitchers with seven wins. Um, that's the only team in baseball that has uh, more than one pitcher with seven wins, and the Twins have three of them, so the Twins pitching has been fantastic. Even today, uh, after Michael Pineda went on the DL, the Twins called up some guy named Schmelzer to make his Major League debut, who they got in a uh, trade with the Dodgers when they traded Brian Do Dozier to the Dodgers last uh, 
last year, and he shut down the Brewers' offense, giving up no runs and only three hits in six innings and striking out seven Brewers. So the Twins are just firing on all cylinders. Um, Coming up after a Wednesday off day, which was actually allowed to happen because Memorial Day, so everybody had to play on Monday, which leads to some Wednesday off days since we had this discussion last week. I figured I'd clarify that. Um, They got four games against Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay. So those will be really big games to see whether this Twins team can keep rolling. But this team is just exciting exciting to watch. Target Field has had its biggest crowd since 2014 for uh, Sunday's game against the White Sox, and it's just been a lot of fun to watch. So hopefully the Twins can keep going. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So isn't it true that, isn't it true that some writers – well, so it is true. I saw it today that some writers have already started M- MVP voting, and for the AL – one of your uh, players made an appearance today. Yes, I saw time. that. In some early uh, MVP voting, it looked like uh, Jorge Polanco yes. was getting some MVP votes. Jorge Polanco is our starting shortstop. We just signed him to a nice extension in the offseason, and he is so far making management look like geniuses for sh- signing that extension. Um, I believe he's currently leading, at least as of uh, – He's leading the league in hits. Yeah, he was leading the league in hits. I think he's also leading in batting average, though that might have changed here in the last couple days. He's only leading the AL in batting average. Okay, I haven't checked. I was going to say, I hadn't checked since then, so I wasn't 100% sure. And he's uh, slugging pretty well, too. He's got, I think, somewhere between 9 and 11 home runs. He's uh, hitting in the number two hole for the Twins against right-handed pitchers and leading off against lefties. Generally, he's just collecting a ton of hits and playing really, really well. So Jorge Polanco, someone to keep your eye on as a dark horse MVP candidate as the season continues. Do you want to guess which Royal made it on there? Uh, it would have to be Mondesi, right? You're right. Yep. Because he yeah. has a bunch of RBIs. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Did any Cubs make any early MVP lists, Wyatt? I have no idea. That's I a think great question. Rizzo, I think Rizzo did. I was going to say, I thought Rizzo might have too. I think Rizzo got one vote in the NL. But that's mainly because he's having to go against Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger right now. And they're both really good. Yes. Really, really good. But the Twins uh, kept Yelich at bay. He didn't have a hit in this mini two-game series against the Twins. So <laughs> That's good for the Twins. That's it is very good for the Twins. And uh, I also like that because that means the Brewers are losing and the Cubs and the Brewers are neck and neck right now for first in the NL Central. Uh, the Cubs aren't doing so hot over the past two weeks or so. We've really been struggling with pitching all around, especially our starters. Our starters have been really hot. They've been smoking, man, for the past, what, month, month and a half. It's been ridiculous, but can't keep that much heat in, I suppose. They've been uh, really struggling. Hugh Darvish, John Lester. Uh, not as hot as we we once were, so hopefully we get those pitching woes uh, figured out soon. Offensively, we've been hitting really good all the way down the lineup from Schwarber all the way down to Bodie, back up again. Um, no complaints there. Um, yeah, Cubs are right now at a five six six in the top of the NL Central. The Brewers trailing at like a five fifty five fifty five something like that. So mm-hmm. uh, really it neck and neck. The- doesn't help that they had to play the Astros here at the start of this week. It's yeah. time to be. They haven't lost too many series at all this year. 
the Astros have the second best record in baseball to the Twins right at the moment. So uh, it's, yeah, the Astros are not an easy ball club to beat at the moment. So actually the third best record, the Dodgers have a slightly better record than the Astros. Because the Astros can hit. The Astros can hit. They have some good pitchers too. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've got Justin Verlander, who somehow at age 39 is probably going to win the AL Cy Young Award. He's been insane. Mm-hmm. Best pitcher in baseball this year. So they can hit. I mean, George Springer, up until he got hurt, was leading the American League in uh, RBI, but then he got hurt, and then Eddie Rosario for the Twins passed him. So uh, they, they can hit. Altuve's coming back here after an injury, so they should be... They were losing Springer, but they're getting Altuve back. They should be able to keep rolling. And I think it'll be a dogfight between the Astros, Twins, and Yankees all year for the best record in baseball. That's certainly what it's shaping – or the best record in the American League, at least. That's what it's shaping up to be. So we'll see how that goes. The Twins are already done playing the Astros. They took four out of seven games from the Astros already this year. So there's no more games between the Twins and Astros, unfortunately. But they'll still be going back and forth all year in the standings. We'll see who comes out on top. But as of a couple, as of last week, the Astro, uh, the Astros were running away with that American League West. But now it's really starting to look. The Oakland A's have won seven in a row going into the day today. So um, we'll see if they can keep that win streak going. But they're at least back in the conversation in the AL West. They're six and a half games behind the Astros right now. So still not close, but seeing as they were double-digit games down not too long ago, they have uh, crawled their way back into the uh, back into the picture here. So they are definitely in good shape, crawling their way back into the AL West picture. But the thing that really has me fired up and why I'm pissed off this week is that the national media is not giving the Twins enough respect. Right now, everyone's still talking about the Twins as the best story in baseball or the most interesting team in baseball. I want people to start talking about the Twins as one of the best teams in baseball, not the best stories. Right, yes, it's been a great story, but now we're already about to flip the calendar to June. Memorial Day is behind us. The Twins have the best record in baseball, and still nobody is giving the Twins credit for um, being the best team, one of the best teams in baseball. It's time the Twins got some some uh, some respect in power rankings and other national media conversations, and hopefully uh, that will happen if the Twins continue to win ball games. Also, I'm also going to be pissed off about something else because I forgot about this until I started talking, but I am pissed at the MEAC Athletic, Athletic Conference. It's the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. They are a Division Three conference in Minnesota, who this week voted to involuntarily remove the University of St. Thomas from um, the conference that they helped found uh, over 90 years ago, basically because St. Thomas was too good at sports. That was the reason they cited, was competitive imbalance. So instead of that conference trying to get better, they decided to kick out St. Thomas, who's their best their best school by far, and really the only reason the conference gets any publicity at all is because of St. Thomas, and they just decided to kick them out because they were upset that nobody could beat them. That was just a cowardly way to go about it, and I'm also pissed off at the MIAC for kicking out St. Thomas. You got a double dose today because I was upset. 
So Sounds like you were. You know who else was probably upset in 2015? Lots of people. Probably lots of people. But Kevin Pillar. So Kevin Pillar, the, uh, the outfielder for the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, ended up straining his oblique uh, in, this epi- in this edition of our strange but true baseball injuries. He strained his oblique not by an actual baseball play. He strained it after a hard sneeze. He sneezed and injured himself. Oh, he sneezed and strained his oblique. That doesn't happen very often. So there you have it. I, I would do, man. There is your this edition of strange but true baseball injuries. Interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting segment. Very interesting. However, according to our our schedule of things that we talk about, the next segment is not quite as interesting, unfortunately. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would. Yeah. Yep. So why don't we just 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 get into it? I guess what what rule we're we talking over about. With. Like, what we talking about and Mike's stupid rules. Yeah, so we're, we're sticking with the baseball rules, something that came up in today's Twins-Brewers game. And that's uh, when, like, a fly ball, for example, is a catch. And, like, when it pops out of your glove at one point, at what point it's a catch versus a dropped fly ball. So the rules are actually different for the infield and the outfield. So in the infield, right, if you are transferring the ball from your glove to your hand, when it falls out, that would um, that would um, count as an out. So if the ball comes out in the transfer from glove to hand, it is still counts as a catch and the batter is out. But if it pops out before that transfer, then the batter would be called safe. We're in the outfield, the rules are actually different for this. So in the outfield, the rule... Um, for it to be officially considered a catch is that the fielder has to in some way show the umpire or prove to the umpire that they have indeed caught the ball. So that's that's sort of the way that the uh, that the rule is worded. So there's nothing about you know losing it in the transfer, etc., anything like that in the uh, in the uh, outfield. You have to prove to the umpire in some way that you have caught the ball. And a play like that actually turned into a double play for the Twins today. Max Kepler leapt and caught a ball at the uh, right center field wall today. And then it popped out of his glove, and Ryan Braun at second base thought that he had uh, dropped the ball, so he tried to advance to third without tagging up, but the umpires had ruled that Kepler had indeed caught it first, so then they doubled up Ryan Braun. So that's why he got that rule. So the rules are different in the infield and the outfield. In the infield, it's all about the transfer rule. In the outfield, it's about showing the umpire that you have indeed caught the ball. Does that make sense to everybody? Show them that you've caught a ball. <laughs> Doesn't caught have ball. to be the baseball. Like, I mean, uh, if somebody catches a beach ball, beach ball in the stands. Ball if it. you catch that, it's an out too. No, no, wasn't that? I, th- I thought it was Todd Frazier. The Dodgers. He leapt into the stands, uh, going for a foul ball. I think it was Todd anyway. And uh, he comes up out of the stands and shows the umpire his glove real quick and throws the ball back. And turns out it was actually just like a rubber ball he found on the ground. Yeah, stands. like a cross ball or something. Yeah, like yep. Yeah. He just found it down there. He's like, yep, totally caught the ball. Look, see? And he I throws think, it back before they inspect it. And I they think call that him happened out. to somebody else, too, where he went into the stands and missed the ball but grabbed the ball from a, from a guy yeah. sitting there that had been signed. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dang. And tried to use that. 
See, I love the, the, the Frazier one because you can see on the video, if you watch the, the video playback, you can see where the ball actually rolls down into the stands and somebody else reaches down and picks up the ball. You can right. see it on the camera. And, and, and that guy's holding it up in the yeah, air. Yeah, he's like, holding it up like, look, I got the ball. Out. Look, I got the ball. Oh, he's out. <laughs> you just have to prove you got a ball. A ball. That was a good play. Uh, that was a good play. But that was All a good right. rule. Now you know. You more learned after this that podcast. Good. It's I'm good. I'm glad you learned me really good. And uh, you don't have for edumacating me. You, don't, you guys don't have school anymore, so you have to learn somehow. Well, no, I still have school. Not right now, though. Oh, true. Not so right speaking of learning, when you learn, you have to be held accountable for your knowledge. Yes, and that's true. That means that you should go to our accountability <laughs> session. <laughs> that was an interesting transition. It wasn't a transition at all. It, was it just, wasn't the worst no. transition we've had. We, we have had worse. That's very true. That's true. That's very true. Um, we only have one thing in our accountability session. That's probably going to be a theme here for a little while as we uh, get season two rolling here. Um, I think the only thing we had come off the board was Josh's prediction from last week that the Bucks would win the NBA championship. Uh, they proceeded to lose three consecutive games to the Raptors, as we told you. So for that prediction, Josh gets a nah. That's all we had uh, in the accountability session. Kyle, you want to lead us off with your prediction? That's, I assume, about the NBA Finals because you wouldn't give your prediction earlier. It was about the NBA Finals. So now you'll uh, find out my prediction. Uh so here is my write that down prediction for the week. Toronto will win the series and and Kawhi Leonard wins the finals MVP. Okay. Well, if Toronto wins the series, Kawhi is going to be the MVP. I mean, that's that's kind of a given, but I don't think they're going to win the series. I'd give you a triple. That's what I was thinking too. I would you give them a triple. Yeah. My, my actual my actual prediction in games is they win the series in seven, but I don't want that on my write that down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah actual prediction is in seven games, but yeah, yeah that's obviously bad. earlier in the podcast when I said they win in five, that obviously is not realistic. I want it to happen. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> you would get, <laughs> it's, you it's get a home really run. Unlikely. You would get a home run. I'm not it's not gonna write that down. Definitely. Okay, what is your write that down then? I'll write that down is that the Cubs are still going to be first in the NL Central after Sunday night. Keeping in mind, they still have a game against the Astros tomorrow and then a three-game series against the Cardinals over the weekend. Who did the Brewers play? Who did the Brewers play over that Oh, uh, I have no idea. I can find out for you, though. Uh, yeah, let me look it up That'd quick. be helpful before, before I give before that's you true. a base total. Uh, base let's total. see. So the Brewers had two games against the Twins. Mm-hmm. They are also off tomorrow, and then they have a three-game series in Pittsburgh against the Pirates. I'll give you a solid double for that prediction. Yeah, because, I'd give uh, you a double for that. The Cubs definitely have the uh, harder schedule with the Astros and Cardinals versus an off day and the Pirates. They're playing so, in St. Louis as well. Okay, yeah, we'll give you a double for that. Yep. I appreciate that. I agree. I, my prediction um, is that the Twins will um, win their four-game series against the Rays this weekend. So that means either take three games or four games from the Rays. A split wouldn't count here. Win their series. Oof. Okay, well, since I... it's not a split, I was, right. I'd was i give a double for a split, but, well, maybe. I don't know. I'm between, I'd I'm still a, between a double and a triple. I'm between a double and a triple. I mean, keep in mind the... Uh, pretty damn good. Is it in the drop? 
Yes, it is in Tampa Bay. Okay, so you know who's been hitting really well recently? Tampa is Bay? Tampa Bay and Austin Meadows in particular. Since coming off the DL, this kid has done nothing but hit the baseball out of the stadium. Well, I guess not out of the stadium, but out of the ballpark, at mm-hmm. least. So I'd give you... Uh, there's going to be a lot of runs scored. I would, I would guess so. But the Twins do have uh, three pitchers with seven wins pitching in that series. Mm, Plus okay. Kyle Gibson. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I will give you a double then. Okay. The Twins Sounds have good. the better pitching rotation right the now. The Twins have the better pitching but the uh, and the better offense. But it is in, it is in Tampa. So, all right, I'll take the double. Um, I have not heard from Josh, so we do not have a prediction from Josh this week. I hope week. he's still alive from his Tennessee trip. He is still alive. Can confirm. That's good. I'm glad he's alive. So Kyle has his prediction in. Mike and myself. No Josh. So that means we have all our predictions in, which means it's the end of the write that down prediction segment, which therefore implies it is also the end of the episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 32. Join us again next week where we bring all things sports to your beautiful ears. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. Thanks again for listening, tuning in, streaming us on wherever you get your podcasts at. We hope to talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.